So today we're going to talk about disappointment. You know this heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, disappointment feeling. You know, the type of disappointment that makes you feel that you want to cry. The type of disappointment that you feel anger, that you feel anguish, that you feel despair. Like if, there, like if life couldn't have any pull on it. I'm talking about this deep, traumatizing disappointment. It could be because of a situation. It could be because of a person. It could be something about us. Any type of disappointment. And I heard the other day this uh, phrase that said, life is one long and steady disappointment. This dawns on most people by the 30s. Childhood is all potentiality. The teenage years are all angst. But even angst betrays some hope, since it is only quiet courage that things could be better. So a person can still live or can still carry into his 20s the illusion that the world will soon blossom at some point. We've all heard about the late blossomers or the late bloomers, huh? Not until his 30s does a person realize how much of what's coming might not be better than what has come. Or it might be better than what has come. Depends. The 40s, the 50s, and often only reinforces Alexander Pope's infamous beatitude. I'm going to quote him, Alexander Pope's quote, Blessed is a man who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. So what we can say is that if we're alive, we eventually have some kind of expectations about what our reality might be. So then if we have these expect expectations, right, then eventually we might become disappointed. So to live is actually to be disappointed, to be alive. It means to be disappointed in a specific time in our lives. I went to a workshop in Florida. Uh, it was right before the pandemic in December of 2019. And I remember when I arrived to this workshop, it was this huge screen talking, kind of like a mathematical formula, not? Of what unhappiness was. And unhappiness is that uh, unhappiness with the equal sign is a difference between our expectations and our reality. And we base so much of our happiness or unhappiness based on expectations, on expectations about who or how our parents should behave, expectations about our children, how should they perform, expectations about our partner, about ourselves, expectations about everyone and everything around us. And it's completely exhausting. Why do we need expectations? What is, what is the use of expectations? What does it mean? So expectation, if we understand the word a bit, is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Right? So it's a belief that someone will or should achieve something. It's one's prospect of what eventually could happen. So I don't know if it's 
obviously it's talking about the possibility and the probability of something amazing to happen, of course, but also how much of that is based on our preferences. I remember this book by Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment, that he talks about how he surrendered to life, to life, you know, opportunities and everything that was happening to him in his life. And one of the points that really, really resonated with me is that he says that he couldn't be, you know, expecting that life was going to work according to his preferences or something that he liked or disliked. So that's how, you know, part of the process of how he started this rather experiment that in his book, he talks about, you know, the benefits and the treasure and the magic that Michael discovered while well, he surrendered, not he actually built a multi-billion-dollar business uh, by surrendering to life's magic. But this, it's interesting. Why do we assume that life eventually is going to behave according to our preferences? And imagine every human being on earth has different preferences, different likes and dislikes, different things that you want no specific person to um, to happen for them. So it's interesting. So let's let's think a little bit more about. What is exactly disappointment? So disappointment is the sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. Okay. A personal event or thing could cause this disappointment. So it could also be felt kind of like if it will be a failure, a letdown, no? A misfortune, a setback, or a flow. But it's funny because some of these words, you know, are something that hit hard, you know, a setback, a blow. It's something, you know, that requires a lot of resilience. But expectations, expectations are made in our minds. Expectations about what the people around us might do or what our life should look like or how should we grow old or the expectations that each of us have on each decade of our lives, you know? That if in our 20s, we should be doing X, Y, and Z, in our 30s, if we should be in our dream job, if we should be financially independent, if we should be, you know, with our with the love of our lives, if we should have a family and kids, in our 40s, in our 50s, in our 60s, oh my God, it's exhausting. This is completely exhausting. So I heard someone said that expectation is the root of all heartache. And this quote recognizes that when we experience disappointment, our hopes and expectations are aligned with reality. We all feel this way from time to time. Some of these disappointments will not make much of a difference. But there are also disappointments that could change the course of our lives forever. Okay, so given the convoluted nature of desire, there are no experiences that are entirely free of disappointment. Ah, it's so interesting. This is what makes disappointment such a complex and confusing feeling because many of our desires that we pursue are unconscious, sublimated, and frequently contradictory. This contradiction is insane. I don't know if you guys have done this uh, forwards value and this away value exercise, but it's something quite interesting to do. You can have a piece of paper, sit down with yourself, and write the top 10 forward values that you're looking for right now in your life, like what do you want to achieve? Yeah. 
So for example, it could be, let's say, um, financial dependence, it could be uh, autonomy, it could be finding the love of your life, it could be uh, health, it could be anything that you're working on right now, like in your relationship with money, it could be um, creating a family, it could be uh, healing a broken heart, uh, it could be with grief, anything that you might have. And then you can write this list of the move, move away values. What are the things that you avoid? For example, um, certainty. Is it something or uncertainty? Is it something that you avoid, right? If, for example, hell, uh, change, adventure. What are the things that you're currently moving away from your life? And compare those two lists, compare that exercise. And it's incredibly fascinating to see that in most of these lists, you will find contradictions. For example, maybe in one you could be in your uh, in your forward values. Maybe you might see like you are you're looking for adventure or you want an adventurous life. And then if you move away values, you might find that you're moving away from uncertainty. So then uncertainty and adventure, you know, they're kind of like you know contradicting each other. So I love this exercise because it shows you a lot, like in a clear way, what are the contradictions that we constantly have in our lives, okay? So paradoxically, we may even become disappointed when we get what we want. For example, in Sigmund Freud's 1960 essay, some character types met with, within psychoanalytic work, that's, you know, the essay's name, is some character types met within a psychoanalytic work. He explored the paradox of people who were wrecked by success. Unconsciously, these people believed that their success was unjustified. So achieving it didn't feel satisfying to them. In other cases, even when we do get what we want and think we deserve it, we may discover that what we wanted so badly doesn't bring the expected bliss and happiness that we thought we were going to feel when we got that. That's something that happened to me really clearly. It was 2019, and I was working with this, uh, this partner and working with this successful uh, startup company. And I thought that when I received X amount of success, when I had written down what that X amount of success meant, then I would be happy. And I was constantly working towards that big happiness. And then towards one month, I started receiving one of those things that I thought were going to make me happy. I got, you know, I was financially, it was uh, in recognition, I got several awards. It was in uh, PR and positioning was kind of like specific success in different areas of my career. And in that month, I didn't actually feel the level of happiness that I thought I was wanting to feel. Of course, I was proud of myself, don't get me wrong, but I didn't feel happiness. And then I I started digging deeper, 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 and I realized that the happiness that I was chasing wasn't a real happiness. It was something that, that it wasn't a mine. I wasn't being coherent, authentic with myself. I was being loyal and to somebody else's needs and wants in my life instead of being loyal to my needs and wants in my life, okay? So 
the way that we handle disappointment is related to our developed developmental history, our relationship with our parents and other early formative experiences. So for example, some people seek to avoid disappointment by, by turning into underachievers. So they have cautiously set the bar low and avoid taking risks to prevent themselves or others from being disappointed. It's kind of like a way of saying like, I already lost in the game. So why are you even getting the game if I already think I lost, okay? So without realizing it, they have decided that the best strategy is not to have high expectations about anything. And such behavior turns into a form of self-preservation. However, it is also it also leads to a mediocre and unfulfilled life. Ironically, these people often turn into disappointments for everyone, including themselves. Others, for example, following a very different trajectory, seek to avoid disappointment by becoming overachievers. Although they tell themselves that the expectations of perfections are appropriate, right, and realistic, these presumptions turn out not to be true at all. The bar is set far too high to ever make whatever they want to achieve attainable. They forget that perfectionism rarely begets perfection or satisfaction. Instead, it often leads to disappointment. I was uh, the other day uh, in the beach with my sister-in-law and uh, we were talking about conversations. She said she's studying at an IBM University in Boston and uh, she told me a story that they went out for dinner with some friends and everybody were, were saying about what was their limit for financial freedom. And everybody at the table, the lowest number that you could hear was 30 million. 30 million was a minimum someone in the team would meet it to feel energy free. If you ask that person to another, if you ask that question, sorry, to another person, you might get a response of two million. You would get a response of one million. You could get a response of $50,000. The expectations that we put in our lives are just kind of like mind-based, mind-based. So, of course, there are also people with a warm balance of an overtal history, whether it be completely underachievers or overachievers. But these people actually had parents who didn't try to be perfect and didn't expect the children to be perfect either. So by being good enough parents, they created a secure base for their children. So these children feel secure in their relationships, supported rather than controlled, and are able to play Explore, learn, fail, slay with what's happening in life, make mistakes, thereby acquiring the inner strength to cope constructively with the inevitable setbacks that will come their way in their journey through life. So when it's helpful to know which way we lead, our developmental history is not our destiny. Whatever our developmental history may be, whatever happened in our childhood with our parents, having a secure base or not, this appointment can provide us with valuable information about our needs, about ourselves, other people, and actually what really makes us happy. Have we ever explored what actually makes us happy? Not what we think is going to make us happy, or for example, not what somebody else told us that was going to make us feel happy. Instead, what really, 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 really make us happy. Okay, so we have different styles of coping. 
So major disappointments are often defining moments in people's lives when you have a really strong disappointment, something that is breaking your hearts. Focus on that disappointment because how you react, it's a defining moment. Constructively, dealing with disappointment can be a self-curative process that can contribute to personal growth and make for greater resilience. Take, for example, uh, Winston Churchill's example. Early in his career, early in his career, the disastrous First World War military campaign at Gallipoli forced him to resign from his position as First Lord of the Admiralty. So Churchill had to come up with a plan, later called Churchill's Poem, to send a fleet through the Dardanelles straight and capture Constantinople, present-day Istanbul, which he predicted would cause Ottoman Turkey to quit the war. But the plan utterly failed, and tens of thousands died. Churchill was disgraced and voted. To cope with this calamity and the subsequent humiliation, he refocused his attention and energy away from politics. And six months after his demotion, he became an infantry officer and joined the fight in France. So during his time out of the political spotlight, he thought through what had happened to him and what it had taught him about dealing with life's challenges. While at first he felt overwhelmed by what he called his black dog of depression, Churchill realized that it was much more constructive to reframe his disappointments as learning experiences in order to be able to cope better in the future. And to use disappointment as a catalyst for personal growth, a soul-searcher provided you with new information about himself, the world, and others. So it's disappointments are actually great moments in our life because disappointments give us a lot of food, a lot of nurturing to see how we react. So far too many people, when faced with disappointment, tend to attribute negative life events through personal feelings. They resort to obsessional self-blaming, not something like the roaming mind about what would have you done different, right? If I sent that, if I didn't do that, if I called that person, if I whatever happened. No. And, um, and we tend to attribute negative life events as if, as if it was like a personal failure. And there are many things that are completely out of our control. We might feel ashamed or humiliating of not measuring up to the image of our own self-ideal, of our own expectation. And as a result, we might direct our anger inward, hating us, thinking of suicide, thinking of ending this life, only because we feel such amount of rage and anger towards this situation that we directed towards us. It may prompt others to say that it didn't deserve it. It's like, oh my God, no, if this person behaved badly, then fuck it. This person deserves us or us that we deserve it. Huh? And also that we might not be good enough. Others, however, will turn their anger outward towards others, hating other people, parents, kids, teachers, bosses, coworkers, anything, fit in the black to people who didn't fulfill their expectations, and it will contribute to feelings of spite, vindictiveness, and bitterness. So how can we overcome disappointments? So unpleasant as disappointment may be, we can, also, we can always learn something from these disappointments. To constructively deal with disappointment, we need to first understand what has happened 
some instances of disappointment are predictable and preventable. But there are others that are completely unavoidable and outside of our control. So to manage disappointment, we need to differentiate between situations that fall within our control and factors that are completely beyond it. Being able to recognize the differences will help us deal with our frustrations more appropriately instead of having unrealistic frustrations. We also need to check whether our expectations are reasonable. For example, if you had an expectation about maybe your three-year-old, well, you know, come on, it's a three-year-old. Or maybe you had expectations about yourself in a meeting when you didn't sleep through the night because X, Y, and Z. Right? So we need to have kind of like that common sense. Are we having unrealistically high expectations and aiming too high? Are we demanding too much of ourselves? Or are we setting our goals maybe too low? So if you belong to that group of people who set their expectations too high, working constructively through disappointment may help you modify expectations. And you will learn to move away from perfectionistic standards. You may start to accept what is good enough instead of perfect. Good enough, it's enough. It's completely enough. For those who have set the bar too low, what we should do is, you know, to stop doing is hanging on to the false myths about there is no more hope. Nothing ever works for me. This is the end. I'm totally, you know, not worthy. I am no talented. I am whatever, whatever, whatever that means that being no pointing into this huge disappointment. So avoiding disappointment is not possible in life. Trying to do so is a very constructive way of being with life challenges. So what I invite you in this episode, this short episode, is just to kind of like think around what expectations do we have for us, for our family, for the people around us, both for work. Are they our reasonable expectations? What would happen in positive lives where we had no expectations whatsoever? Imagine living that life and just everything that unfolds in front of us, it's a pleasant surprise. Do you think we might be happy? Do you think we would be dealing less with heartbreak of disappointment? What tools would it help for you to add no expectations towards relationship, people around you, and especially with yourself? Maybe with your mentorship, good life. Want to keep the conversation going? Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.